prophet Isaiah spoke to desperate people in great need. He came to them with a message of great hope. The feeble hopes of the desperate people of Isaiah's day stood in contrast to the glorious message they heard. Isaiah offered them assurance, found in their coming virgin-born Messiah. The one who entered this world by way of a miraculous work can surely direct and care for all his people in this world. Stephen called this lesson the sign of the virgin birth. You might remember that after the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel split in two. Uh, The ten tribes of the north called themselves Israel, and Samaria became their capital city. And the two tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin, remained loyal to the house of David, and they kept Jerusalem as their capital, and they were called Judah. Now, by the time Isaiah is preaching here in Jerusalem, this split or this division in the nation is around 200 years old. As we arrive now at Isaiah chapter 7, uh, the setting for Judah is one of panic and terror. The empire of Assyria is growing more and more aggressive, and frankly, they want the territory of Israel and Judah. The Assyrians were known for their military power. They were known for their brutality and cruelty toward captured people. Rumor had it that the king of Assyria sat on a throne he'd actually covered with the skin of conquered kings. So the nation Israel, the ten northern tribes, uh, created a coalition with their neighbor Syria, and they now want Judah to join them in the hope that Together, they can defeat this brutal Assyrian army. But Ahaz, the king of Judah, knows it's a lost cause, and he refuses to join this coalition. So Israel and Syria invade Judah, and they're going to try to force them into making this alliance. And as you can imagine, Ahaz is terrified. He and all of Jerusalem are in panic mode. In fact, chapter 7 opens here in verse 2 by telling us, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Well, God responds to their terror by telling Isaiah to take his son and go out to meet King Ahaz and reassure him. Isaiah's son's name here in verse 3 is Shahar Yashuv. And that means a remnant shall return. So the presence of Isaiah's son is is a significant uh, sign that God isn't going to erase his covenant promises no matter what happens. So Isaiah and his son go out here to meet King Ahaz and tell him here in verse 4, Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint. In other words, God has everything under control. Isaiah is effectively saying to Ahaz, listen, you know, God doesn't doesn't make plans. He's always had plans. His plans go all the way back into eternity past, and his plans are unstoppable into eternity future. Doesn't matter what coalitions, doesn't matter what kings, doesn't matter what evil empires rise and attempt to do. Now, maybe that's exactly the message you need to hear today from the Lord. 
you know, maybe you're panicking over over something. Maybe your back is against the wall. Perhaps the pressure is on. Listen to the Lord. This truth is timeless. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint. Now, what Isaiah does next is deliver one of the greatest prophecies about the Lord Jesus that we find in all the Bible. Isaiah says to King Ahaz here in chapter 7 and verse 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? You go over to the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew cites this text as being fulfilled in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But now here in Isaiah, it gets a little confusing, because if you keep reading here about the birth of this particular boy, you'll find this in verse 16. Before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. In other words, these two kings of Israel and Syria who are threatening the king of Judah, well, they're going to die while this boy is still a little toddler. And that's exactly what happened before two years had passed. Well, is this prophecy here then talking about Jesus or not? One of the key elements to keep in mind as you study the prophets is this. Prophecies can have an immediate fulfillment and a future fulfillment. In other words, there can be an immediate application and a later application, and that's exactly what you have here. First, there's an immediate fulfillment here of Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah's first wife uh, has evidently died. We aren't given the details, but we're told that Isaiah marries again, and he marries a virgin. They consummate their marriage, and around nine months later, she has this little boy. God directs them to give two names to their son. One of his names is a sign, and the other name is going to be his signature. Now, Isaiah and his wife don't need to think through a list of possible names, you know, names that sound good with their name or or names that came down from Grandpa Harry or, or Uncle Henry. Now, God says here that the boy's name shall be Emmanuel. That name is a sign. God is reassuring his people that even in these panic-stricken, chaotic times, God is still with them. Then over in chapter 8, we're given his signature, that is, his, his formal name, so to speak. And here's what Isaiah writes in verse 3. And I went to the prophetess, that's his wife, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long name. I had to practice that. I, I can imagine this kid's going to have a tough time in kindergarten learning to write his name. Now, even though this is his formal name, it also serves as a sign because it means quick to plunder. And if there's any question about who's going to do the plundering, the Lord spells it out now here in verse 4. Assyria is going to be quick to plunder the kings of Israel and Syria. Now, all of that is the immediate application of this prophecy. But the later fulfillment is indeed found in Jesus Christ. It's the greater fulfillment, in fact, according to the gospel accounts of Mary. Mary wasn't just a virgin when she got married, like Isaiah's wife, and then later conceived. No, Mary was still a virgin when she became pregnant. Matthew uses this text from Isaiah in its much more miraculous meaning. 
Now, unfortunately, Isaiah's message and the signs of his son's names, well, they're ignored by Ahaz and the people of Judah. In fact, the people here are rushing to to hear from occult leaders and sorcerers who supposedly get in touch with the spirit world, all the while ignoring the prophet of God. Isaiah challenges them as he preaches. He tells them that they're trying to get direction from all the wrong places. In fact, he says here in verse 19 of chapter 8 that they inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. In other words, they're going to people who supposedly contact the dead and deliver their their little chirping messages which deceive their audiences. They're going to occult practitioners who are reading the stars. And let me tell you something, beloved. Nothing much has changed to this day. Millions of people are checking their horoscopes every day. They're speaking with spiritual guides who, who have nothing to do with the Word of God. And they're false deceivers. I read of a believer who was being pressed by a fortune teller who promised to tell him his future if he would give her some money. And he said to her, you mean you can tell me what I'll be doing this same time tomorrow? And she said, absolutely. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pay you double if you can tell me what I was doing this same time yesterday. (laughs) Well, that ended the conversation. Well, Isaiah now goes on to challenge the people to return to God's word here in verse 20, to return to the teaching, to the testimony. If they, that is the spiritual advisors, will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn, that is, they have no light. Verse 22 adds, they will be thrust into thick darkness. And that's what happens when you ignore the dawn, the light of the gospel, God's word. You're going to walk into thick darkness of unbelief. Now, with that, Isaiah delivers more amazing prophecies of the Lord Jesus in chapter 9. Well, that's where we'll pick it up, Lord willing, in our wisdom journey next time. Until then, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen, and a lesson he called the sign of the virgin birth. Stephen is the pastor of the Shepherd's Church in Cary, North Carolina. You can learn more about Stephen and this ministry at wisdomonline.org. While you're there, today would be a great day to sign up and receive Stephen's magazine. The information you need is at wisdomonline.org. Sign up today, then join us back here next time as we continue the wisdom journey.